Hi, this is Better Red Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are talking about Black No More, which is George Schuyler's 1931 novel about a whitening process that turns black people into white people who are actually extra white people. And uh, and we'll get to that. But first, we are thrilled to welcome Lauren Michelle Jackson, who is our guest host for this episode. Lauren is an assistant professor of English at Northwestern University. She is a contributing writer for The New Yorker and the author of White Negroes. So Lauren, would you just tell us a little more about your work and why you wanted to come read Black No More with us? Yeah. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this book. Um, I feel like I do a lot of different types of things, like so many other types of projects um, in media and whatnot that I feel like, I don't know, maybe sometimes I forget that like I'm also a literary critic and a literary professor and I read books and I teach them and don't just, you know, consume pop culture, though I, I do a lot of that as well. And and so my more academic work is just really interested in, I'll say, the intersection of maybe Black studies and affect theory. And I'm currently working on or sort of prospectively working on a book thinking about disappointing affects in contemporary Black novels. But but Black No More is not contemporary. Um, <laughs> it is, but and yet it, it is one of those novels that I, I think it's so piercing about both the period in which it was written and also today's context. Black No More, I feel like is, well, first of all, it is a hoot. Um, I'm always surprised every time I read it, reread it, that it's actually very funny. I mean, it's very biting and it's very cynical in a lot of ways, but it's also a little bit, it's a little bit silly, you know, let's be honest. And maybe that's easy to say a century later, but I do think, you know, Skylar isn't so self-serious quite yet when he's writing this novel, just the way the character names unfold and the sort of calamity, like you could almost really see the sort of slapstick unfold on the page. But I really do think it is it is sort of relevant to thinking about a lot of really contemporary discussions about sort of where we place race and where we place class in our discussions of inequality and justice and, and improving the world and revolution and things like that. And, and Skylar takes a pretty, pretty strong stance on um, where he thinks uh, race should go as far as prioritizing these sorts of issues, which is especially interesting considering, I mean, he's writing during the period of Jim Crow, which is like, even, you know, it's sort of even less flimsy than, you know, the way, you know, people who are sort of cynical about race-based discussions think about prejudice or inequality today. It's sort of like, it is in the law that there is yeah. like racial inequality. And yet he he is really sort of cynical about the sort of revolutionary potential about racial discourses, which I find very fascinating. Absolutely. So I wanted to read it because like Tristan, you'll mention this, but I wanted to read it because I genuinely wanted to see your and Katie's reactions. I just want, I love seeing people's response when they've never <laughs> read it before because it's so yeah. wild. Like that first response is, 
is just, I think, like utter bafflement and, and, and you're also interested in it's crazy. I read it first probably 10 years ago. I was certainly in graduate school. And I think a lot about the sort of pleasure it takes in like, in quotes, like debunking race. That's a, just a really interesting series of questions. And while I, I love him, I love his work, it's pretty funny to see poor W.E.B. Du Bois get dunked on quite as hard as he does in this book. It's definitely, I have like a lot of margin <laughs> notes about like, oh, well, Walter White sucks to be you. Some, there's some, um, there's some, there's some, there's some moments. And then there's a piece in me that wonders like if this book is a good example of potentially like the fragility of a very orthodox historicism in the sense that it's just a really odd novel. So to say like, oh, this is very 1931, just doesn't seem quite right. And I think it helps us to see that there are outliers to those sort of orthodoxies. And I think those are great and really important and help us get a fuller account of given historical moments. I also just taught Percival Everett's book Erasure, and this seems to be maybe not a precursor, but there seems to be a conversation between them. And that book is wonderful. And this book is very funny about whiteness, which is a category that deserves deep thinking about, but also lots and lots of snark. And so <laughs> I think that's excellent. Yeah. I'm excited. So Tristan, why? tell me why you wanted to read this, because I can't wait. No, I mean, and yes, I'm, I'm glad that you had us read this. Um, and and yeah, I mean, so I what? Why do why do I read any 20th century thing on the show? It's because Megan tells me to, and I trust I trust Megan on on all things 20th century. You but have no, like I, mean, but, I just love that you have like my influence as your canon. It's just like read uh, Rosemary's well, Baby. I mean, I, like, I mean, Katie and I are curating the 18th century for you, so you know, it kind of goes both ways, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah no i mean uh like but beyond that right um one is like yeah like so skylar's political biography just what the fuck right <laughs> like so uh socialist in the 1920s and 30s to a john bircher um you know cool um and, and, but yeah, right okay so not the first you know writer with an incoherent ideological trajectory that we've looked at on the pod like john steinbeck very famously right <laughs> And like, you know, the biographical fallacy or whatever the hell the new critics were on about. But I do think that like in Schuyler's case, that that might be an important thing to think about regarding my second big reason for reading this. And this is, you know, I, this is related to my 18th centuryist interests. And that's like what we think about the political possibilities and implications of satire as like a mode. So like way back on the Gulliver's Travels episode, we talked about there how there's this current left critique of satire as either a like a false catharsis that goes nowhere, right? Like so a lot of ambivalence about the actual effect of like the Daily Show and the Bush years. Like one, like did that actually lead to anything? But also like you know is, is it is it really all that you know kind of radical on the surface? And well, no, of course not. You know, um, but but you know, and also then on the you know even more so like uh, satire as like flat out reactionary, right? Like I mean, there's been a lot of kind of left thinking about that i think that that's reductive for what satire is writ large but like there is also 
have to acknowledge some substance to it. Like, so again, with Gulliver's Travels, I think a fair reading of that novel is that what orients it basically is misanthropy. Um, and a lot of satirists as far back as even like the classical period, like Aristophanes, Juvenal, like the point of those jokes often is kids today and their damn Tide Pods, you know? <laughs> like, so, um, <laughs> it, kids today and their damn fake wieners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. So, like, what, whatever, whatever the the Roman and Greek equivalent of that is, right? Like, the, of the of the Tide Pods, at least. So, like in Black No More, we have a lot of these really compelling and pointed structural critiques about race and class, which are great. And then, you know, also like it kind of veers off into what looks to me kind of pretty reactionary claims about like human nature and that kind of structural critique dead ends. Um, I don't know what I think about that. I might even be entirely wrong about uh, about how uh, the, the, how that is kind of where it lands on some things. But um, that is why I'm excited to talk to you guys about it. I mean, it's so like, sorry to, to, to interrupt, but it just I I get salty about that sort of account not your account but the wider account of satire is pointless being one of those things that's like should every novel do work to improve people's material conditions and it's like first of all do you not know what novels are for (laughs) yes and second of all like (laughs) we deserve the roses of bread and roses like sorry I know I, I agree. And I think like if you look at books that do have a very sort of like overt ideological program, like the jungle being a big one, right? It's like it's like and then he discovered socialism and his entire life was fake. It's very clunky, you know. Like, so, yeah. um, but but I also think that there is that sort of like, I mean, fine, call it misanthropic, but like posture of the satirist as being outside of the structures that they're looking at that lets you see things, you know, that are actually quite penetrating. Even even if that doesn't then say, and this is what you then must do with this, this kind of revelation. But anyway, yeah. So Katie, tell us all about why you wanted to read this. The main reason I think is because my belt buckle hat was getting very tight on my head and I needed to, I needed to breathe, it needed to breathe. So I had to loosen it for a trip to the 20th century. And I'm so glad I took it with this book and uh, here with all of you today. This was this was a new one for me, so I was excited for some surprises, and this book delivers on the surprise <laughs> front. Yes, um, surprise! Everyone has an airplane. Uh, surprise! Science is evil, though that's not a surprise. We knew that. Um, surprise! I also didn't know what an anthropologist was. <laughs> but in addition to the the broader and you know more important issues that the that this book covers, it's also like. It is a book about grifting. It's like, it is, Lauren, as you said, like, it's a very, it's a silly book. And in a lot of ways, and the moments where it reaches its peak silliness often are these grifting moments where it's like, you have two guys and they're just doing dueling banjos of grifting. And they wind up becoming like the two flat tummy tea salespeople <laughs> just just go, going at it with each other. Um, and if you open the if i think we mentioned the names too but if you open this book to any page you can find skylar being like this is dr butthead snuffleupagus he looks like an egg and can't stop shitting his pants Um, literal pants shitting scene in this novel it actually happens (laughs) so if that if that alone doesn't doesn't sell it for you i don't know what will Uh, it just also everything happens in it there's like a mil like there's an invention and an election and then but somehow all of the people in it are like 
guys who, if you asked them to like roll a log down a hill, you'd wind up with like turds at the top of a mountain somehow. Like that would just be how it would, how it would end. Yeah. <laughs> they're, a, they're a fairly pointless series of gentlemen. <laughs> they come in rapid succession. Okay, so today we are going to ask about what the object of satire is, to what degree is Skylar just being a dick, which he often is. We are going to talk about the sort of scientific questions, the great data debacle, um, and then we'll talk a little bit about the graft or the confidence scheme that the book raises. So Lauren, will you tell us what happens in this book? I... We'll try. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a madcap adventure. <laughs> that was a big ask. There's a lot. I will hit the high points, though. No spoilers. Or no, many spoilers. But so we begin with this letter of sorts, preface of sorts from Skylar, allegedly Skylar, the author, though it's it's a little... I don't know. I find it a little bit ambivalent or a little hazy. You know, he's writing about this thing he had read or found out about, about some sort of magical experiment or just advance in science that could potentially allow someone to alter their race or some patent or something, right? Some, some scientific discovery, which signed, dated, and then lo, we begin our novel, which just so happens to be about that sort of experimentation made real. But we actually really begin with our main character, Max Disher, which already just like to say that name, you're just like, oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Who's like a sort of, you know, mid cat, just like hanging out on New Year's Eve, partying with his friend, bunny at the club and he you know he's looking around trying to find a lady approaches a white woman and she's like you know no i mean it's (laughs) 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 because like you know racism segregation i mean you know it's just like a group of white people just like really trying to like slum it um in harlem right and he gets rejected and like this is like you know this becomes like his not like his Joker moment, but this is like, I feel like in some ways, like the thing that changes everything, right? He's just like very bored with being a black man. And so simultaneously, there is the um, emergence of this technology or I guess we could, I mean, we could talk about it, whether it's like a technology or I don't know, like a science experiment. I don't know. There's interesting ways to think about it, like a medical procedure, basically, that can change people from black to white and it's being headed by a physician by the name of dr julius crookman which should i don't know how you know i don't know how we're supposed to feel about him but I mean, that is, we're not that is his name right and so and so basically you know of course max disher you know he immediately like runs to do this procedure and and sort of the rest of the novel is both tracking Max Disher's who changes his name to Matthew Fisher again you know (laughs) hilarious names here okay um you know so we're both sort of tracking his exploits as a white man you know he dips 
out of the north, goes straight to the south, because of course, like, where else are you going to enjoy the fruits of whiteness better um, than the Jim Crow South? But we're also sort of following the larger scale ramifications of this experiment. And so Harlem is getting whiter by the day. And we have people whose business and money is basically being made off of whether it's the race cause or whether it's you know, hair lightening or hair straightening treatments for black women, um, all the sort of things that are supposed to both help black people assimilate or sort of projects of uplift, right, are sort of in crisis, while also these white supremacist projects such as the Klan um, are also really in crisis. And so we're both tracking the national level, the political level, the sort of social and cultural ramifications of this very profitable as well, um, sort of commercial enterprise, as well as Max slash Matthew and his pal Bunny, because of course his pal also gets the experiment done um, because we need like a something duo. I don't know how dynamic they are um, <laughs> just to like follow along and someone and it's someone also who need like we also need that person who like also knows Max's like secret. Right. Because I think that, you know, we need someone like that to bounce off of. And so we're following their exploits. We're following the nation. You know, Max is like scheming because, of course, it's not good enough for him to like become white, which is like, you know, in some ways like a grift in and of itself. He also has to like supplant that like the high seat of the grand wizard of you know it's just like of course um he has to like get involved with the clan and like go all the way it's like you can't just be like a middling white person (laughs) right right? um and he's like it's fine because they rebranded it yeah that's right it's It's the brand new clan yeah it's a brand new clan it's like the the nordic knights or something (laughs) it's like really yeah i was like it's like it's definitely not like the clan clan but it's like it is the clan but the knights of nordica right yeah Yeah. knights of nordica which (laughs) they still use the goofiest titles yeah like yeah the the wizard and shit yeah (laughs) shit i also think something like sort of transposing it onto this fictional body also does you know in addition to sort of heightening the ridiculous factor but it's also like it sort of removes the even the like suggestion of any sort of like historical like justification or like yeah. genealogical, like, you know, the idea that like, you know, you're in the clan because your father was, a, you know, or like, you know, these like really tenuous sorts of roots to like Anglo, you know, supremacy, whatever. It's just like, it's so much more ridiculous. Cause like, yeah, we did, we created this five, minutes ago and yeah, like, yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah. call her you know like but it's this honored tradition that we have to like protect etc right yeah okay so he goes to the south to to do extra white shit he also gets with that girl who um i keep calling her a girl she's a woman but he gets with the woman who and you know of course right who initially had rejected him on the dance floor And so they get married, but then of course that is, you know, that's another crisis in of itself because conveniently we also learn, (laughs) I keep saying like, I don't like, I, I know I said this novel is like a little bit silly, but I don't want to make it seem so like overly silly because I do think it's like, 
I do think it is really seriously thinking through some things, but it is also like one of those things where I do think like where you where you hit it beat by beat, you're like, this is ridiculous. Um, I mean, I think the plot is very slapstick, even if its questions are much richer and more serious. I think the right exactly what you said, like so beat by beat, the plot of it is silly, except the end, which is takes a turn it's the end is dark it yeah. gets dark um yeah, in like yeah. more ways than one but but yeah so like we find out that the procedure does not i mean much like other forms of cosmetic surgery like does not you know pass along to offspring so if you were black and are sort of passing if we call it passing or whatever, and you have children with a person who has always been white, we'll say there's a possibility that, you know, your child could come out not looking white. So this, it's like one hand, it's like the, it is like a crisis of like the, of the invention because it's like, oh my God. But then it's also provides the opportunity for Crookman to like institute these things called just like lying in hospitals, I think they call them, or just like basically places where women can go have their children sort of in secret or like in with privacy such that like they can perform the procedure on the baby or like see what the baby looks like or whatever. And then like that can like alleviate. But of course, like this is another sort of arm to the Crookman enterprise but that we're also seeing as a sort of crisis with Max in particular because his wife becomes pregnant and we're just like, it just becomes like a sort of ticking time thing that we're waiting for as far as how the baby is going to turn out. Yeah. And and it's like, there's also, cause like the clan is sort of like the major group of focus during like the second half of the novel, but we also have a sort of another group called called something the anglo-saxon association of america right Is that the- <laughs> wow okay so like the most actually straightforward name that, <laughs> like in this whole novel yeah. this just like feels so it just feels so right though like i feel like this is like actually what happened like we would actually have you know once whiteness is like attainable for everybody you know of course there's like going to be like the hipsters that are like we are like really white though we're like (laughs) and or it's like it's or it's like it's not even it's like almost like a it's like a reversion back to it's like walking back the sort of i guess sort of progress of like assimilation of of european immigrants which like hadn't even progressed that far by the time this novel's being written but it's like now everyone is white So it's like, okay, like, but we have to find a way to distinguish, like, who is, like, Anglo-Saxon, like, came across on this boat, whiteness, versus, like, everybody else who was turned white, which is, of course, you know, it's very, like, very that, very, like, post-late 19th century, early 20th century European immigration. And they have, like, patents of nobility, essentially, right? They have, like, what seem like those old aristocratic documents from England that are just like here's the 12 generations and of course they're they're also like fake but those things yes. that prove 
that prove it. And I love that the, uh, the the head of that association, another one of these great names, is Arthur Snobcraft. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. It's a craft. But, Real subtle. Yeah, totally. But yeah, it is. Well, because, right, because it's like that they're, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything you guys are saying, but um, that it's like their point is that like the clan doesn't do, they doesn't have like this class gradation within its white supremacy that like is really important to like what the uh, the Anglo-Saxonists want to do. Yeah, it's, yeah, but but right. And, and yeah, it, it, it is, uh, it is really, uh, I'm striking that the, the problem of like sort of like outward sort of like differences of race, like disappearing, like then fuel this kind of this sort of um, organization be like, no, we have to kind of seize control of the narrative. And looking for the trace, right? Like this is yeah. the notion that you could like seek it, seek out the one drop, no matter right. what that might be called in terms of alterity, that it's yeah. still like looking for the source. Yeah. And insisting there is one. Like they absolutely 100% are doing all of those things. And at the same time, they're also like our level three mages can beat your level four wizards, so what? You better give us money yeah. then, because ours are better. We have more rare, you know, like we have more rare abilities. Like it's, it's like they're they're like also always doing that. Just the way Snobcraft is like like Mister Arthur Snobcraft, president of the Anglo-Saxon Association, a man suspiciously swarthy for an Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> had devoted his entire life to fighting for two things, white racial integrity and Anglo-Saxon supremacy. It had been a largely losing fight. That <laughs> That's so good. That's almost as mean as the thing as the description of Booker T. Washington. Truly, like he has it in for like it's like both of these cuz you know, it's like both of these people are sort of two I mean, yeah, they're two sides of the same coin, at least in this sort of book, where it's like race is their is their enterprise. It is their bread and butter. Like without race, like they have no power, have no stature, no economy, right? Like they lose it all. So it's like whether you're the person who's like giving people hair straightening creams or whatever, like relaxers basically, or you're the person who's like asserting like white supremacy, it's like these are sort of part of the same business, right? And so when you take that, take the idea of race away because everybody is the same race, it's like they panic. Turn the race dial up. We need more race. <laughs> they, they literally- <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And then there's also this like political drama where the Democrats and Republicans get into it because – well, right, and the, the, the I mean, the, the Democratic Party in this is like kind of fully invested that that uh, yeah, well, like white nat, like it's 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 sort of Southern Democrat, like white nationalist uh, instantiation, right? And the and the the, the Republican, I, I don't know what the, I I mean, like so that that is like what the Democratic Party is. It is like the kind of like avowedly like white racist party. I I don't is there like kind of a coherence to like the Republican Party here other than just like well we're not that and we're like however that opens up some sort of way for us to uh, like win an election that's what we're going to exploit i I don't they just seem like the flaccid other does that make sense right like something like the like the just the way to bounce jokes they we it's more important that that skylar like bounce jokes off of this sort of like foil than it is it's the democrats who are the source of the joke where 
they nominate Givens, who's the head of the Knot clan, Nordic Knights yeah. of Buttholery or whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah. And then and yeah. Snobcraft. Royal Viking Cruise Line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As the VP against these like incredibly bland other candidates. Yeah. This is the Democratic yeah, exactly. Party like- of your home state, Tristan. Yeah, right. Yeah, state, De- De- Delaware, the the last bastion of the Dixie crap. Very uh, shameful history there. Yeah, well, no, like the nineteen. No, right. And, and this is like the Democratic Party of the nineteen twenties. Is I mean, this is like before the New Deal. And again, like I mean, there's a lot to be said about like the way the Roosevelt administration did nothing to really depart meaningfully from white supremacism. But I mean, that was like a very different vision, like uh, as part of the, the the party platform. I think was I can't remember if it was nineteen twenty four, nineteen twenty eight Democratic convention. I think it was twenty that is called the clan bake because they all went across the hudson river to have a giant clan rally like this place man um yeah also like max isn't he like a union buster too like i don't and i don't remember how that fits into the election narrative or if it does at all but i like truly going full like just (laughs) Like, uh, full white or just, like, I don't even know, like, full just, like, opportunist. And I feel like I recall it's, like, he mobilizes – I feel like he mobilizes the workers against – like, there's two Germans involved. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. There are – (laughs) there, like, is interesting things going on with, like – Yeah. You know, degrees of whiteness or whatever. For sure. um, You could call it. When he goes into the office of the Germans, um, who he's like saying, I'll give you, he's like, if you give me 10,000 bucks, I'll stop the union. And they're like, maybe. And then he's like, it's 15. And then he takes all their cigars and walks out (laughs) is like the main, I don't, (laughs) I don't, your question about how it fits into the, into the narrative is a better one, but, and one I can't answer, but I do remember he stole all their, yeah. Like, it's all like the wet cigars from out of their mouths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically, like, the crisis, which, again, there's, like, so many crises in, in the novel. But one particular crisis going on with the Anglo-Saxon Association is that basically what they're trying to do is sort of reassert for political purposes the purity of their ancestry, which ultimately backfires because then it turns out that they along with just like people they wanted to endorse and just like their sort of general group you know turns out sort of like uh i believe it's paul mooney who has this joke where it's like if you shake that tree like hard enough like a black person will fall out so ultimately they found out they have you know black ancestry which by logic thus they are black now um the lead the um headline it's 189 and this which is this is the old edition is um democratic leaders proved of negro descent givens snobcraft buggery cretan and others of negro ancestry according to old records unearthed by them by them (laughs) by them right that's just like that's brutal that's brutal and i would i would believe that as like a newspaper headline because the media is ruthless right yeah so (laughs) like these results get out but they were like supposed to be kept secret and then you know obviously they were stolen and now published and so now they are on 
the run. And a lot like a lot of stuff happens. So they're in a plane. I think the plane crashes. Yeah. Runs out of gas over Mississippi. That's right. <laughs> someone like dies. Like I'm pretty sure someone dies and then it's just like snap. Is it just like Snapcraft and Buggery at the end? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was like. Change their pants on the plane. It's like there were three and now there are two. It's like fine. Shaken up and bruised. And so again, they're on the run because they're just like in danger because they are like two black men now. And so they run into this like small town in Mississippi that is like, like, if you think the US is racist, like this is like the most racist town ever, like, like, in the US, I think it's something like, there, we get this like language about how like, they haven't like had someone to lynch in like, so long. And they're just like, basically like praying for it. And like, this is actually a really interesting sort of like turn of events, which is to say that like Snobcraft and Buggery are like, we cannot be seen as ourselves because if we're seen as ourselves, people know that now that we're black and it'll get out. So they put themselves in blackface to disguise themselves. But of course they run into this town. That's like the most racist town that there ever was. And so the town is like, Oh my gosh, we prayed for this two black people like let's lynch them and so in you know calamity issues whatever and like snobcraft and buggery are like no 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 no. like you've got this all wrong you know wipe off the makeup blah 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 look at us we're white and then it's like the newspaper like arrives like extra 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 here's the newspaper (laughs) and it has their photographs yes yeah it's like the most for i mean not fortuitous but like narratively for it's just like and so then it's like, no, you guys are, are actually black. And so they they are like, you know, essentially lynched, but it's like they're not just like hanged. It's just like this just like really grotesque run of like you whatever torture. It's just like awful. But yeah, but yeah, that's what happened. That's like sort of their storyline. Meanwhile, Max and them, which is like his family and his wife and also his father-in-law who's like the head of the fake c clan are like also on the run because they've been identified as not black black formerly yeah and their baby was born dark and she the wife helen thinks that it's her fault because she has black ancestry and again i say like black you know in quotes yes (laughs) no that's right yeah but they like so like their family also has a plane and so (laughs) what do you know so they escape they escape to somewhere very warm meanwhile the nation is trying to like settle down after this upheaval this like election and just finding out all these people that they thought were it's like two tracks of like finding out people you thought were white are black but also like quote unquote black which is like both the like one drop rule like rearing its head in terms of like ancestral accounts of race and also like this experimentations you know the revelation of who you know has like sort of gone through this procedure and trying to like discern who was originally white which is like just revealed to be like this just sort of, sort of absurd task in the first place like as absurd as the sort of genealogical account 
that people who used to be black and are white now, and again in quotation marks, are actually pink. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. But yeah, they're like too white. Right. It turns out that there's like someone has discovered that like actually if you really study closely, like again, getting really back to like the derm is here. It's like they're actually like a little bit too white, like too convincingly white. And that if you had not had this procedure done, like you are more like, I don't know, like salmon colored or whatever, or just like, you just like different. (laughs) So just like absurd. It's like, it's like when you look in like the box of like crayons, you know, it's like when you come to it's like white people aren't white. It's like, we're all shades of like, whatever, brown or what, I don't know. But I don't know. It's just like the sort of like silliest version of that. And so now we're back to sort of policing or just surveilling skin color, like at the surface of the skin and looking for, you know, now even subtler gradations, not from like pale to like brown, but like too pale to like sort of less pale than that. And so upon the realization that the less pale were actually people who didn't go through this procedure suddenly people are running to get tans and darken their skin (laughs) in various ways to make it seem like you know to be swarthy right to be the swarthy that like snobcraft is like identified as when we first meet him and so by the end we get this image of max and his whole family and his like little brown baby but the whole and the whole family is like tan and smiling and crookman is sitting here reading his paper and he just like he just like smiles and like that's the end yeah and then he invented cool sculpting (laughs) i i i I love too that the that afterward is called and so on and so on <laughs> like that's just such a great like yeah this this shit is you know just uh, yeah it's it's never it, it's never going to stay stable it's gonna it's always gonna uh, repeat itself yeah and and I thought you know I mean like that that afterward too, right just that the idea that it white supremacism and racism whatever it is, like it's always going to like repostulate the other like it's always going to like reproduce like what the other is you know and and so and so like it, it's you know obviously you know which just I mean shows that the, 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 the hollowness of it but just that that and the cynicism i think inherited that it can just it can like kind of just perpetually do that it's like wherever you know whatever is like the ideal like skin color it, it will just then move um which i you know that that to me it's like it's one it is like one of the bleakest parts of the book it's also like one of the kind of think most structurally like sort of um probing parts as 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 well i think the just sort of basic sort of summary of like the and so on and so on right is like Skylar's like, okay, so if you're working towards racial inequality, this is what is going to happen, right? Which is like the the sort of plot of the novel, which is to say like, if everyone is the same race, then there is no race, right? Or something like that. But you still have, say, you know, these like really classed sort of hierarchies. And so while people are not equal on those terms, there will always be this sort of proxy battle that's like happening with regards to race. Like race is like the proxy. At least that's like, that's his argument. Right. And so as long as like we're focused on like the sort of proxy battle of race, like we're not actually 
going to solve anything. It's just going to be the and so on and so on of sort of climbing capital. Well, and yeah, and I think that that, you know, that it that gets at the sort of insufficiency of a certain kind of liberal, uh, like critique or response to racism, which is this, which, you know, I mean, largely kind of like, you know, discredited now, but I think, but I think, you know, at, at times, well, and I actually know, I mean, I think there are people who still very much believe this, like the colorblindness is like the key. And it's like, well, but I mean, then no, because like that, like, if, if you don't sort of like, if you don't keep in mind the way that sort of like inequality like this is produced, like it's, then you're not like it's it, it just is going to find a way to kind of like creep back up and so the idea that like you could that just like a way to like ignore or efface race doesn't actually solve the problem of the kind of like the the violence and inequality that's sort of encoded within it yeah and even like sort of more extreme than that at least from Skyler's perspective um so he also wrote a rebuttal to Langston Hughes the the Negro artist and the racial mountain Oh, man, I always confuse the sort of order of those words. But he wrote a rebuttal called The Negro Art Holcomb, which basically is actually further from, you know, saying focusing on like the color line is, you know, sort of missed priority or not the right priority. He actually asserts that like is no such thing as racial difference um, Mm -hmm. as well. Um, You know, he has this line that, you know, the Negro is really just a lamp blacked Anglo-Saxon. And so, you know, two people from the South of different races are more alike than, you know, a Negro from the South and a Negro from the North or something like that. And you see that in the novel really towards the beginning when Kirkman is explaining the procedure and, you know, we have this, you know, sort of character that's sort of like, I guess, like the proxy for the reader's um, skepticism, maybe, which is like, okay, what do you do about these stereotypical traits that we associate with black people, what do you do, you know, if you're only changing the skin and hue, what are you doing about vocal patterns and things like that? And of course, the novel has the answer for that, which is that, you know, you'll actually see that once you remove the problem of the skin, all those other things can sort of be enfolded with an idea of the race that seems to be presenting itself to you. So, you know, there is no black speech, there is no black language, there is no, you know, sort of black facial features which is which is an interesting proposition as well as much as it sort of flies in the face of of a lot of a lot <laughs> of culture basically <laughs> yeah so will you give us just a little context for how this is published or on skylar just because we don't have to talk about him too much but i think his biography is pretty strange i would just say that skylar is somewhat ill-fitting within I think a sort of summary narrative of the 20s and 30s um, but particularly the 20s and and the Harlem Renaissance that I think is given at the survey African-American literature um, level where it's like all about the sort of explosion of black literature and and black artists and, and black writers writing for other Black people and in debates about sort of how best that should be done, but all together sort of being drawn together by an interest of writing about about Negroes for Negroes, right? Whereas Skyler is very much, you know, sort of personally and politically um, sort of outside of that project, but also like engaging with the other writers of the time and people of the time and being involved 
in those debates, even while sort of presenting an argument that I think today we would say like, like if we were staging, you know, I, I teach both the Q's piece and, and Skylar's piece together because it just makes for a easy pairing. And I think my students very much, if you had to vote, like which one won, um, which is not a very great way to, which is not a great way to teach. Uh, but like, if, if I asked that, you know, most people would say like the sort of Hughes account of like, why would you want to be, you know, a trying wanting to be a, just a poet, you know, is basically saying, you know, I just want to be a white poet. Um, you should want to be a Negro artist, right? There is something about like, the Negro sunset or whatever. And that is like a cause worth, worth working towards or writing towards. Right. I think that is like very much our sort of guiding ethos, just even the way we we teach literature. Whereas Skylar, who lived a long life, he made it to the seventies. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was born in the 19th century, made it to 77. Must love that a Mary Baraka. Well, and now I'm like, actually, like, I'm probably going to maybe poke around um, after this because I'm like, what must he have thought about, like, the Black Arts Movement? Like, he, but also he just, like, took so many turns during his life as well that it's kind of, you know, in my head, he's, like, very much frozen as the Negro art Holcomb guy. But he was, he did a lot. You know, he contributed to, like, the crisis and, and Negro Digest and the nation and something i also think about him is like where would he where he would fit in his own novel Hmm. because he has so much ire for like the du boises and like the booger t washington's and and the clan and the grand wizards but it's like where it's like so where is he right i mean i i don't know that 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 brings back to mind the fictional or yeah the fictional preface like he has to make himself he has to be the guy who's writing the thing even even in his imagination yeah like but where he would actually fit is a more is is like a more interesting question and and like one he can anybody answer that for themselves i guess not and and this also like does to me raise the question of um like what the ultimate object of the satires or maybe like what it, what the like kind of politics of it is right and and so okay so we talked about the the afterward which like I mean it is very very bleak but I mean it's great and like I mean I don't think like I don't think like bleakness means like the death of politics I mean I think it could be like you're fucking like talking about white supremacism in America right I mean like how is it how is that not gonna you know be be really um, bleak and, and challenging but then there are other moments where it is like like there this really kind of penetrating structural critique will dead end with an individual individual just being like i know how to make a dollar off of that in a way that i'm like okay so what actually is the claim here so this is one just i'll just read one moment that where i really kind of underline this and so this is in so in in the penguin this is page 43 this is this is in chapter three if you have a different edition but um so this paragraph right the attitude of these people puzzled him was uh, was not black no more getting rid of the negroes upon whom all the blame was placed for the backwardness of the south Then he recalled what a Negro street preacher had said one night on the corner of 138th Street and 7th Avenue in New York, that unorganized labor meant cheap labor, that the guarantee of cheap labor was an effective means of luring new industries into the South, that so long as the ignorant white masses could be kept thinking of the menace of the Negro to Caucasian race purity and political control, 
they would give little thought to labor organization. Okay, so again, that this is all. I mean, like, yes, I mean, this is the way in which white supremacism, uh, you know, relies on kind of racism to, or the way capital like uses sort of white supremacism to kind of, you know, to 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 shut down these kind of like moments of solidarity. But then this is how this paragraph ends, right? It suddenly dawned upon Matthew Fisher, the you know that's you know Max, Max Disher post treatment that this black no more treatment was more of a menace to white business than to white labor. And not long afterward, he became aware of the money making possibilities involved in the present situation and like that's just so i mean it i just don't know quite what to do with that because it is like the protagonist of this like the, the novels making these big kind of structural claims but like the the protagonist's interest in them is mainly in like okay i know how to make it uh, you know like how to make money off of that so i just don't quite know what to do with that like i don't know what that means in terms of what it actually does think the value of this critique is like how transformative actually kind of staying with this could be I, so i'm really curious what what all what all of us sort of think about that those kind of moments and there are there are a lot of those kind of moments in the novel i think that's such a good paragraph more of a menace to white business than to white labor yeah i mean i think that's like i mean that is like skylar sort of putting all his cards on the table there but i don't know it's like maybe max is like you know slightly less of a caricature if only because it's like he can like see like <laughs> the matrix <laughs> like no like kind of yeah but it's like he can see it and he's just like going to take advantage of it and he's just like not a great person and he's not going to be like yeah he's like not going to use his sight for good instead of sort of self-interest but i think the fact that like he can and again, it's like these are the moments when it's like ostensibly we're sort of in his head, but it's also like the narrator is really pushing through here too, as like Skylar pushing through as well. But yeah, I think it's like Max can at least see the thing that like nobody else, I'm pretty sure no one else in the novel, except actually, except Crookman mm-hmm. can see. Yeah. I mean, I think too that because if we move from that point right which is that like there's a conflict here that's that's based on the various versions of class inequality that he gives right like one is about aristocracy or or this weird old fashioned version of what kind of white you are then also like the class line that he acknowledges between black people and then the sort of like i don't comparative is wrong but like across the race line, the color line, that there are class conflicts there too. I just wonder about like where, okay, so then we get to the race men, which is this like big thing in the, I guess a third of the way through the book. And this, I mean, I don't know, Lauren, maybe you know better than I do, but I'm not sure how much a given reader is supposed to like the, the, let's just say they're thinly veiled. Yeah. <laughs> And so it's like, does every reader get Du Bois? I think probably. Does every reader get Booker T. Washington? I think so. Does everyone get Madam C.J. Walker? I bet they do. But do they get mm-hmm. every, do they get like William White? Do they get like Eugene Jones? What's the Garvey character's name again? Licorice. Santop. Santop. Right? Santop. The Garvey character is like so disrespectful. I mean, they're all like very disrespectful. 
<laughs> disrespectful characters. I don't know why. I just think like like licorice. Like, come on, man. Um, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's like even if we don't. I mean, I say we, but like even if one is reading this again, like my students would be reading this, and like they're they might not, you know, even catch like the, like a Garby. You still sort of get the the you know recolonize like the go back to Africa person. You get the black industry is like the future person. You understand the like I don't know even just like the sort of general pontificating of that or like the NAACP, which is like what is it here again? Um, I think the acronym is NSEL. I believe it. Yeah, the National, National Social Equality. <laughs> Which is not as not as clever. Um, Nor is it nearly so mean spirited yeah. as the Washington, the principal of the Dusky River Agricultural Institute, Supreme General of the Knights and Daughters of Kingdom Come, and President of the Uncle Tom Memorial Association. No, I did not make that up. Okay, he like yeah, he disrespects everybody. Yeah, um, and like one, I think one thing also that I. I like to talk about is just like the descript, like the physical descriptions of people um, is also like very, I mean, I'll just say, I mean, you could just say like racist, but it's also just like, (laughs) (laughs) like sooty black broad shoulders with long ape like arms. That's uh, who is that? Like shake. I think that's um, Shakespeare. so what's the satire then if like part i really think part of it is a satire of the 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 category that is race men right yeah yes because that is that i think we think skylar is arguing that too is a grift because it's seizing upon and making real these racial categories so like he talks about um is it white? Lauren, do you know who was like himself extremely light skinned and mm-hmm. was the secretary of the NAACP? Is that right? Yeah. And, and so, and he, uh, Skylar makes fun of him in this book as being like very proud of his like mulatto grandfather or something. And so, like, the critique of race men is both of, at least for me, the sort of like upholding race as uh marking out but also figuring out like what the shit are these people doing i mean i'm not making that claim i'm just saying i think skylar is right and it's like it and it falls i mean part of it falls in line with like a not unusual sort of critique of like harlem sort of literary and political activity of like the you know sort of elite the literati right sort of doing their thing and saying they're speaking for the people, but like not actually speaking with the people or working with the people, organizing with the people, the rank and file, et cetera. Yeah. And the novel is like, okay, so what if all of this is like, all of this is for racial inequality, you know, all of this is for, or, or not even like racial inequality. It's like all of this is for, just like even just like equality or something. It's like, if that's what this is for, or if this is like uh, against Jim Crow, it's like, what happens when Jim Crow is like 
effectively null, which is what this procedure does. And so Schuyler's or the novel's answer to that is like they panic, which is like supposed to reveal like, you know, underneath it all. It's like, actually, this was just a sort of another means to sort of this is actually a class interest laundered through racial language or whatever. And I think like all of these descriptions, it's like, yeah, it's like the descriptions of these people are supposed to sort of undermine to like Agamem- like Agamemnon, Shakespeare, like <laughs> educated in in Europe, like went to Harvard. It's like you're like our race man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. 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 Um, and I think like the, you know, the introduction of um like Walter Williams is interesting because it's a tall, heavy set white man with pale blue eyes, wavy auburn hair, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it doesn't say, you know, a tall, heavy set, white looking man or passing man or man who's so light skinned you might think he's white. No, it says like he is a white man with pale blue eyes. Yeah. And I think that's important. No, I think it's crucial because he's taking a quite different approach than some of that of that period of time the completely interesting discourse around passing because for him like that's not passing that's white that's not a distinction that um that actually matters because those things are not a one drop notion they're about social position and that's that's quite i think unusual yeah i think it's unusual and it's very unusual for the time. And it's even like unusual, like now, I mean, you know, these conversations are eternal, but like, you know, sort of Skylar like saying like, no, if you are walking around, you look white, which is to say you would be red as white, people assume you're white, then you are, what is the difference between that and white, which is to say that, you know, your interiority, whatever sort of racial interiority like does not matter which is like sort of Skylar's argument and also sort of whereas you know I think that is still not a very popular um argument to sort of hold just because it's like there's a lot I don't know it just feels like there's a lot to lose to seed that with respect to race so that's sort of like why we do have like passing as like to lean on which is like the suggestion that you know interiority still always matters or that there's still always like a means of going back over the color line even though I think there's there's like interesting novels like like Dancy Senna's Caucasia that I think also mess with that a little bit where the you know the main character is like incredibly light-skinned and she essentially goes from light-skinned to passing for what turns out to be like a significant part of her childhood and adolescence as as like culturally Jewish which is just like a whole also other interesting thing. But it's like the novel's like asking a lot of questions about like if you yourself at times like forget that you are black or like have to, you know, go to this token that reminds you of a past when your black father was in your life. It's like, is that passing or is that something else? And I think Skylar is like saying very concretely here that it's like it is all surface. And if it is all surface, if you are perceived as white you're white i mean and i think that there's like a a rehabilitation of some of the stuff from the clan but also other contributors to the way that like whiteness has to be 
held up in the sense that like the the not clan i'm sorry i never remember what it's called publishes this thing this like newsletter called the warning and matthew is the editor because they they're like you look like you look like a white guy why don't you come do shit for us and he's like sure i mean that sounds like a reasonable thing um and he in this piece says the this is the skylar he says very cleverly he linked up the pope the yellow peril the alien invasion and foreign entanglements with black no more as devices of the devil so this is him saying like jews catholics the alien invasion which is like i don't italians or because it certainly doesn't mean um central america which is what it means now um the yellow peril foreign entanglements means jews and socialists as all being like potentially a contributing factor along with black no more to having to just like keep reinventing whiteness because it does have to be continually like re-demonstrated it's not like it doesn't work socially for whiteness to be a stability because then it's like oh well it's fake but it has to be rehabilitated and he skylar is very explicit that it has to be rehabilitated i think yeah and with such pageantry yeah it's not like we're not like just getting together and be like you're white you're white we're white okay let's go (laughs) um no it has to be like the grand garage or like (laughs) yeah the Um, king of the whites (laughs) yeah right with like robes and like a you know a press like apparatus and you know yes like all these like talking points like it has to be this like elaborate thing it has to like yeah which is like it you know it's like has to be a conspiracy but it like it is a conspiracy (laughs) which is like it has to like it has to like make its own conspiracy to like cover up the fact that it like is one right it's so bad at being a conspiracy it's (laughs) very bad but it has to invent its others and that's where we see that as like oh apparently like asians the yellow peril is like an affront to whiteness so we have to we have to like keep building up these structures and we have to keep noting like who if if nobody falls outside of whiteness then what does whiteness mean and that's a big question for this too it's like it's not just black no more it's that like i guess you know that whiteness has to be like invented reinvented upheld described and then if it turns out that it's like everyone potentially is white then you have to go looking for it. You have to then you have to make it up all over again. I mean, just like the calamity of that like penultimate or almost penultimate scene with Snobcraft in Buggery. It's just like Sorry, I laugh you know, every time I am like buggery. I know, I know. It's just like, I know really like it's just like so yeah, it's just like so stupid. But it's just like floating stairs on top of like they're like we are, you know, we are white. No, now we're black. Okay, but in order so that people don't know we're black, we have to look like black. We have to take put on blackface. Okay, now wait. No, we're actually. It's just like you know, taking wiping the blackface off only just to be black again. It's just like that alone is just like some wild stuff is happening. Well, and there. the blackface is shoe polish, right? It's the color black, like not what black people look like, but what right. minstrel figures look like so it's a kind of blackening that's like that these people recognize them that like they 
interpolate them as like as though they were black people is ludicrous. It's like they've never seen a black mm. person. Because I think wow. they haven't. Because like I literally, like, I think that town is like it's so racist that some of them ha- like. Yeah, I think that's, that's how right. Yeah, they got to find somebody to lynch. Right. Which is like kind of. I mean, that is like. I mean, that's like the novel too. It's like if we have so we have so many white people, it's like we need to reinvent reinvent the other again. Yeah, we have to find the person we're going to lynch. Speaking of, and I know this is like my minor quibble, but Max Disher is a Jewish name. Interesting. I but it might be one so of those like the... Skylar floating signifiers of like what does that mean? Who the fuck knows? But like I just think that's a weird name to give a character who then has to be not just white, but like the whitest of white with no doubts. Well, and because I think like every name in the book is a joke of some kind or that, that, that there's cut you're supposed, it's supposed to evoke like something very kind of specific. So yeah, it would, it would be weird if that was, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're right. But um, it doesn't it doesn't draw yeah, it doesn't draw attention to itself the way that other names do. Totally. And it's just it's every other name is like, I'm going to slap you in the face with like whatever portent. But like this one's like very at least that I can remember, I don't really recall any like sort of Skyler like Jewish jokes. I don't know. I like I it's mm-mm. just like it would be interesting that this would be the place where he would go for subtlety. Um, that, right that's a weird way yeah. to right so it might actually not be considered that way the only the only places that jews come up are as like a potential other invented category right. of otherness and i don't really mean invented in 1931 obviously but i mean like other otherized and part of that group of people along with asians and groups that that have to be stabilized as as non-white if that makes sense right so it's like this has to be turned into a stability because otherwise it's like we're fucked if it turns out that race isn't a stability and whiteness is like moving that's such a good observation just because like jewishness and in the sort of history of like black passing narratives is really interesting Mm -hmm. Because it comes up a lot. <laughs> it comes up a lot because I mean, there's tons of reasons for it, but but the the idea that like people who are black but light skin might be perceived as secular Jews is a major theme. Mm. And depending on when that takes place historically, the meaning of being Jewish has a lot of variance, right? So it doesn't always look the same at all over time, or where those attachments might lie, and also like. Just the degree to which secular Judaism is significant changes too, because it's like a normal part. I just watched the Freud series on Netflix, which is excellent, and you should all watch it. Where because his <laughs> Jewishness is very much like pointed out by other people, because he is a secular person, he has no interest in religion, and right. but it has to be like made into something that ma- it's made into a matter by other people. And that's another one of those moments where it gets called race, frankly, like being made to matter by other people, despite it not being mattering to you, is making something race. And that might be what Skylar's talking about here, too. Right? Like, if it doesn't matter to Max, then 
other people making it matter is reinventing the thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like race is happening in that in this scene of this novel, right? It, but it has to be happening everywhere, even if we can't have an object. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think Erasure is so I mean, I think is a great novel to be. I mean, there's like a lot. I mean, we don't have time for that, but like <laughs> it definitely is in conversation with this novel. Like I think of like Monk in uh, Erasure as like that is like kind of the central problem is that like race keeps happening to him. Right. And it's like, you know, the question of can you just like sort of just so happen to be black and versus like being or like being a writer who just so happens to be black versus being a black writer. And like the sad like sort of answer to that novel is like, no, because like race will keep happening to you. Like yeah. whether you want, you know, whether you sort of passively accept it or not. Um, and I think there's also a common thread between these two novels in the sense that it's like, how far can you push a joke before people like, especially a given white reader is going to accept that this book is making fun of shit. Cause right. the novel that character writes in erasure is, which is literally called fuck. It's the title of the book. <laughs> it's a joke. The whole book is a yeah. joke. You have, yeah. you get to read it in the middle of the novel and it's just like, this is native son only in yeah. African-American vernacular. English. It's in dialect. It's the craziest. It's as far as you can push the joke. And no one takes right. it as a joke. Yeah. And yeah. this is Skylar doing like, a lot of yeah. that. Like how can, far can I push this ideological project before people take it to be an ideological project? Right. Mm. Well, it's like it, it's like that. That seeing the sort of like the cynicism, the 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 bullshit, uh, the 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 kind of contentlessness of the sort of like structure of you know of of oppression and inequality is not the same thing as being able to get rid of the structure. So, I mean, there's some way in which like that the that like i don't know it's like almost like the the position of like the satirist is like i stand outside of this because i'm the only one who can like really like call it on its bullshit but that that like that that becomes a kind of like sort of like i don't know that becomes like an effective response at the level of the individual maybe it is kind of like uh you know that there the part of the bleakness of it is about just like the the difficulty of a kind of systemic response but but like you know what i mean so it's like it's like the satirist is almost like offers the vantage point where you can actually see this shit in a way that within it which almost everyone else is kind of interpolated within it just becomes so it, it just it will happen again and again or it's there's just like there's no you think you found your way out of it and you still haven't you know well should we play a game as weird as that sounds let's play a game it's we're going bleak <laughs> let's go out katie i'm sure it's gonna be funny um that's that's actually for me to know and you to find out <laughs> uh okay so we have a we have a brief buzzfeed quiz today what we're going to do is so we've talked we talked a bit, bit about uh grifting in the grift and i thought you all might want to know which type of grifter you are or which type you identify with the the most strongly um and not, there are no not the tummy tea ladies not the tummy tea <laughs> <laughs> then i'll strike all the bees out of your quiz <laughs> 
Okay. This, these games have often the most tangential relationship to the book of all time. And um, this is one of those times. So let's all be prepared for that. It's probably, it's probably um, for the best, really. <laughs> okay. Uh, question one is, which of the following ways would you explain the concept of science? A- a chemistry is performed so that a chemical reaction occurs and generates a signal from the chemical interaction with the sample, which is translated to a result, which is then reviewed by certified laboratory personnel. B. Science is what keeps us on our grind. It keeps us hustling on the side and in the front and back. Relatedly, by my nootropic good brain, it keeps your brain real good. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA or any regulatory body. Use your own risk. Or C, uh, on your daily 5 a.m. forest bathing, gather your water from dew-covered rocks that raccoons have been climbing on. For sure not shitting on, though. <laughs> Add a little salt, avocado, and some of my magic dust made of the boring kind of mushrooms. Mix them together, and boom, that's peer review. Okay. <laughs> So, A, we have bubbling beakers, science-y. B, we have science on our grind. And C, we have uh, drinking drinking poop water, if we're being honest. I guess. For health reasons. I guess A, because those, because I, yeah. Meg, you're going to go with A. Um, I mean, I, you know what, I'm lying to myself if I say the my answer is anything other than A as well. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm I'm that dork so um, i'll probably probably go with that i am kind of attracted to the science on the not i mean i'm not yeah i yes the far be it for me to you know endorse a uh, 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 cap that all that kind uh, but I, it did it did share a certain uh i mean as, as a big as a big as, as, a, as a 90s kid uh a big fan of billy madison the certain uh, industrial revolution compared to the little puppy that could uh <laughs> bit that i do like but i think no i'll go i'll stick with my my true dork self and say the beaker science yeah okay lauren how about you <laughs> yay okay so this is where i pick See, <laughs> I love it. I love this. This is my favorite development. I mean, C sounds like the funnest one. <laughs> you know, I can't because it reminds me of my landlord who refers to him. Okay, I'm sorry. Digression. My landlord who refers to himself as a commie who is, as of this moment, riding around the country in a van doing what I can only assume is hippie shit, and. As a landlord <laughs> living off of the labor, lording, lording the land of the people who live in yeah. building, you know, real communist shit. Uh-huh. I was about to say the the landlord part really <laughs> sort of uh, evac evacuates. Um, yeah, evacuates all of the meaning. <laughs> Nothing more communist than landlords. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Horseshoe theory. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed the peak of horseshoe theory. <laughs> All right, Tristan and I are being boring dork shit, and Lauren is being hippie dork shit. All right, I love it. Um, this is question two of three here. <laughs> I wouldn't characterize your answers that way, but but I but I appreciate it. Uh, okay, you've got a friend. That friend is getting a divorce. They come to you for advice, of course. 
So what type of advice do you provide? A, you say, unless you have a jade egg crammed into one or more of your orifices, there's no point trying to explain anything to you. So I'm not giving you any advice until you prove it. B. And then do you have to like um, bear down and pop them out and show me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you have that kind of muscle definition, yeah. <laughs> B is, um, bro, what you need to know is this. Women respond to mindset, eye-catching hats, and someone who only stops hustling so they can be on their grind. Then you proceed to your sales pitch about a device you can use to vape using your asshole. C, your poor, your poor, your poor friend. Um, <laughs> C, as I am married to my work doing speaking engagements about all the important scientific and technological advances I am making, the only advice I have to provide at this time is 0010101. Also, what do you think of the name Volestra, the only pill you can take to get rid of the voles in your yard? <laughs> so there's a lot going on here. J- I'm the Jane um, Egg bitch. Okay, love this. I just like that I have to demand that my friend be like, well, I ordinarily weigh 180 pounds, but today I weigh 183 because of the jade egg burden. (laughs) And you'll never guess where they are. (laughs) What's behind your ear? I'm definitely the one that started with bro just (laughs) (laughs) because I would be like, bro. Even though you're not a bro, even if you're not a bro, um, yeah, I, I have to pick that one. The grind, vape, grind. Um, <laughs> also, another like orifice involved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, to cover to cover the map here, I'll go. I'll go with C because uh, I, I can't. How did the how did the zero zero one one end? I just remember I was like, yeah, I would probably say the voles. The, the what? Yes, the voles. Oh, right. The, right. It right. ended with. But yeah, yes, I mean, I probably. I think that. I know, Tristan, how you feel about pests. You have had uh, <laughs> moths of late. That is true. Yeah, moth. Yes, yes. Very, very dire chemical warfare we're waging currently. But um, yeah, no. I, I mean, I think I probably have oh, a, no. the kind of uh, asshole that's like, well, no, we need to really think about the facts. Of, you know, well, you know, very, very <laughs> rational advice. So. <laughs> Sure, I'll take that one. Bulls <laughs> like, uh, okay. are cute. They are cute. <laughs> People on Google, are voles bad? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, they are rodents. So whatever rodents do, they do. Are they the bald ones? They're not, no, they have hair. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Those, <laughs> those sound terrified. But. On your... Uh, fire stick you can you can subscribe to all of pbs's content for five dollars a month and no they are not a sponsor i just like <laughs> having lots of episodes of nature of course yeah yeah well, i mean that that's, yes, P- pbs kids is a is a is a is a favorite channel at our house <laughs> well here's a question you won't hear on pbs kids for your third <laughs> and final question it's the shortest one <laughs> which of the following real these are really racehorse names speaks to your soul a can i call you dad b raw bar monster or c viagra river no oh second b the monster raw 
Oh, I'm not even gonna yeah. say all those words you're together. The Rawbar monster. Yeah, I'm that one too. Other fun Delaware facts: uh, <laughs> the town I grew up in. Right? It uh, we we uh, we have we have a racetrack, except with it, it's the, it's the harness racing, which is an even. Um, dumber version of horse racing with the jockeys on the back yeah um so yeah i, I raw, yeah raw bar monster i mean I, I i i like that one we've all come in yeah okay all right well that tipped t- let's see I did, this is the hardest part of the show which is me doing basic arithmetic <laughs> in front of others um, i could open a door right now and ask yeah. my husband like can i call you dad <laughs> Can I turn around while I add these up? <laughs> um, okay, so Tristan, you are solidly you are solidly Elizabeth Holmes. You are a pharma bro. Nice. You're you're a pharma you're a pharma grifter. You're Martin Shkreli. Someone's about to do an article on you from jail. Um, no, that's that was just yeah, a thing that happened, right. and it was yeah. in the news. And do you have to talk like this? And all right, I'm gonna get an all black suit, do a weird, weird thing. Yeah, turtleneck would do a weird thing with my voice and con uh, Henry Kissinger out of millions of dollars. So cool. <laughs> Look, he he doesn't, do, you know, whatever. No. <laughs> I'm amazed that nobody spit in his face in one of those meetings. Frankly, I still say I keep saying I'm just like if I saw him in the street, like I'd push him over. I don't know. It's just like what, uh, whatever. We don't have to get into it, but like. <laughs> <laughs> not great my guy how can you not spit here. right in his face it'd be hard did you guys see the like some california democratic party dipshit last week was like henry kissinger is actually an american hero and like you know who <laughs> you know who is bad is fidel castro's like oh my god you shut the fuck up <laughs> what is it uh, wake yeah. me up when it's not 1994 anyway. please <laughs> i know, I know. Anyway. killing kids is awesome we love it yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Um, all right, so all right, so Rob our monsters. Holmes, you're Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, Lauren, you are the um, you're the wellness fire festival. Um, <laughs> oh. yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, and um, and Is it Megan like a two for one special. <laughs> <laughs> it's you're already thinking like the wellness fire festival. It's shipping people to an island for spa treatments. Look, I could get into that that grift. It's important that you're happy with your grift. It's all happiness is all that matters in life. It's stenciled on my wall. That's how I know. <laughs> and uh, Megan, um, you are you are a success win guy. What is that? You're a success win. Uh, you know the types of guys that write books like if you hold your breath for six hours a day. All your muscles will get huge. Um, nootropics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can defeat death. Yeah. I can def- Yes, I can defeat Soylent. death. Soylent. Yes. That, yeah. <laughs> you're the, the Soylent guy. Okay. I'm a Silicon Valley guy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The only yeah. thing all these figures have in common is they all have diarrhea constantly. <laughs> True. Truly. Yeah. They do. I love that. Are those the same guys, Katie? You know this thing who go on like dopamine fast so they never feel happy again (laughs) yeah they're in this group they're not uh they're not unrelated to the to the wellness fire festival crowd either the dopamine fasting crew um some of them might fuck with raw water also 
raw oh, water. Oh, no. I forgot raw. about raw water. Raw yeah. water. How is there? People just giving themselves like parasites or whatever just for no reason. <laughs> it's not no? cooked water. I don't. What's the? Never mind. You know what? Get to your idea however you want. If you get it from eating ass, that's fine. If you get it from drinking dirty water, it's your business. <laughs> I'm getting it both ways. So there, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> I have to look up dopamine fasting. What is that? I don't want to know. But it's when you get really <laughs> bored. Like you just you look at nothing and do nothing as close to nothing as possible for as long as you can, and so you get no, you get almost no dopamine. Like no hits of dopamine from looking at your phone. No nothing. And then when you return to your dopamine filled daily life, you're recalibrated. Huh. Okay. It's for people Buy my book. who are so cognitively well positioned who have no nothing to worry about they they have they have plenty of money they have a nice apartment they will never need ssris and so instead of thinking like all these other people in the world are on ssris why is that a problem that might be structural let me <laughs> right. uh yeah. let me get bored instead of taking depression naps like the rest of us i was about to say because i feel like dopamine fasting sounds a lot like just like having depression it does like, just sound like, like depression right yeah <laughs> it's mm-hmm. on purpose yeah yeah oh boy what will they come up with next <laughs> <laughs> okay well thanks all of you thank you lauren this has been better Red than dead you can find lauren on twitter at pros before bros it's a letter b and a number four you can find me on twitter at tuslersaurus you can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo. You can find Twitter on Tristan at TJ Schweiger. <laughs> you can find Twitter on Tristan. You can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Better Ed Pod with R E A D and email us at Better Ed Podcast at gmail.com, but only if you have an idea for a future shifting machine and its ironic effects. Our intro music is Love Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Please rate and review us and subscribe. And next week, we have our double episodes for the season on Vladimir Nabokov's Lolita. So thanks, comrades. (laughs) 